Hello, and welcome to PDA, Neurodivergence, and the Perpetually Determined Advocate. I am your Perpetually Determined Advocate, Cassandra. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to raising awareness and acceptance of PDA, or Pathological Demand Avoidance, which is a lesser-known part of the autism spectrum. My hope for this podcast is to provide a place of learning and growth, as well as a platform for PDAers, professionals, parents, family members, and others to speak out on this condition, as well as providing resources for those who want to learn more. If you or someone you know would like to come on and use this platform to tell their story, please contact me at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. Now, let's launch into this episode's topic. Children often participate in sports with their peers as a way to either get exercise or socialize or just to have fun. My oldest goes out with his friends currently uh, a couple times a week, and they go to play soccer um, on one of the public fields in um, in town. And they just, you know, it's not a, a competitive type of thing. They're just going and having fun and, and playing uh, a sport that many of them played whenever they were younger, you know, just to sort of get the experience and get some exercise. But for neurodivergent kids, this can sometimes be a challenge, right? Various forms of neurodivergence present their own challenges for participation in group activities, whether that is, you know, due to their sensory issues with bright lights and loud noises, or the high stress atmosphere of competitive sports, or in the case of PDAers, meeting demands to pass to the right person or follow a specific set of rules. There are also some other problems too, like physically, right? So it could be issues with gross motor skills, which is a problem with some forms of neurodivergence or lower coordination due to um, like when you're walking or running. And for some children who are nonverbal, that idea of social communication and social interaction is problematic as well, right? So all of these tend to rule out several different sports for autistic and PDA kiddos. So what's a parent to do? Participation in these types of activities is a really good way to promote an active lifestyle, and also to sort of funnel some of that extra energy and emotional overflow into a positive channel. I remember Declan's psychiatrist telling me at one of his appointments that one of the side effects of the meds he was being put on was excessive weight gain. Now, I can honestly say that at first I was a bit relieved. Declan was always a really small underweight child for a a good while. I'm talking second percentile for his age. Like he was tiny and getting him to eat was nearly impossible at times. I used to have to go and buy like the instant breakfast 
and get him to, you know, drink that. I would get the, because he wasn't really big on like Sure and the, the ready-made shakes, but if I would get the um, the powdered carnation chocolate powder stuff, right, um, and mix that in with milk, he would think he was drinking chocolate milk. And it was getting into him some of those vitamins and nutrients that he wasn't getting while he wasn't eating. So it did help a little, but it really just kind of kept him from losing weight and didn't help with his growth. And, I mean, it wasn't just that he was skinny. Like, he wasn't – his height was also kind of stunted in the process too, right? And so the idea of a medicine that could help with that was promising. On the flip side of that, both my side of the family and his dad's are fraught with health issues related to heart problems, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. So I wanted to avoid the excessive part of excessive weight gain. I'm fine with my child being on the thicker side. I don't need him to be super skinny. But I also didn't want him to get to a point where he was unhealthy. So if he's, you know, gaining weight, if he's getting a little bit bigger, I'm fine as long as I just didn't want him to get to an obese place, right? A place where it was literally causing him more health problems. Still, he's just, he's not big on participating in group sports because of the stress of success, right? The idea of him doing something wrong and being the reason that his team doesn't win or trying to make, say, a goal in the case of soccer or make a basket in the case of basketball. These types of things weigh on him heavily, and he gets very overwhelmed if he feels like he is not performing at the level that is required in competitive group sports. So... I did some looking and came across some articles that talked about a few different sports that can be beneficial for kids on the spectrum, and I thought I would share those with you. Now, I do want to say before I get started that the activities I'm going to list don't necessarily have to be done in a competitive sphere, right? In fact, I feel like in my son's case, at least at the age he is now, while he's still learning how to deal with and process these large emotions that he has, participating in things more as leisure activities would be infinitely more effective because it would be more about enjoying himself and would remove the stress of winning or performing at a specific level or the potential for someone to get mad at him because he didn't do what he was supposed to, right? He didn't make that goal. He didn't pass things right, any of that. So swimming was one of the front runners in different articles. And not only does this one sort of provide for that fun and the exercise, but swimming has been shown to help improve gross motor functions for autistic kids in the studies that have been done. And with it being summer, it's also a great way to combat the absolutely intolerable heat that comes with the season here on the Gulf Coast. I've you know, mentioned in previous episodes how the temperature just gets outrageous. Uh, we finally got past the rather heinous heat wave we were having um, 
that made it even worse than normal. <laughs> but even outside of that, just this time of year is is excessively hot outside and humid. Another suggestion, though, again, this one kind of has you outside, um, was horseback riding or, you know, different types of equine therapy. And this is shown to be a way to help with both relaxation and processing, you know, emotions and whatnot, while also, if you're doing the riding portion of it, it helps to strengthen core and leg muscles. So there are different places that offer what's called equine therapy. And this has different levels. Not all of them involve riding horses because, you know, these are large animals. And for some children, that can be a little bit off-putting because they are so large. But horses have actually been used in therapeutic settings for centuries. There's evidence and records going all the way back to the ancient Greeks and how they used horses in various therapeutic settings. And treatments like equine-assisted learning or equine-assisted psychotherapy are often referred to as unmounted therapies because they don't actually involve riding the horses at all. And it's more of a way to sort of work on team building and social interaction skills and things like that. They still work with the horses, but they're working with them without riding them. The ones that involve riding are things like therapeutic riding and hippotherapy. These do involve riding the horses, but they also bring in, you know, caring for those animals and caring for their living environments, cleaning the barns, things like that. And there's a bit of research on using um, hippotherapy with specifically with autistic people and its merits, but that's an area that they're you know, they're still doing more research. That research is evolving to show the various different ways that it can help and how it, um, how it helps, right? And it's important to note that you should, if you want to engage in this yourself or bring your child to this, make sure you're working with a certified therapeutic writing instructor, or in some cases they'll have like licensed physical occupation or mental health therapists there to assist with the, these types of therapies in order to get the best benefit from these. Cause you don't want to go into this with someone who is not familiar with either the therapies or isn't um, really well-trained in you know, interacting with horses because yes, these are large animals. Um, so it's something to consider there, right? Martial arts was another option that comes up a lot. That's something that I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, getting their uh, children involved in martial arts. I've specifically parents of autistic children. I've heard them talking about how that's really helped them. I'll be honest, this one gives me pause just because of my son's uh, particular presentations, right? I have a PDAer who can become uh, physically aggressive. And so that is something that makes me think that perhaps at his stage where he's at right now, this isn't the best idea, but everyone's experience is different. And, you know, this could be something that really helps because, like I said, I have seen quite a few instances where people talk about how martial arts in, a, in all its, well, nearly all its varieties. I don't know that I've heard of all of them, but in several different varieties and how it's helped. Um, 
it can help with you know increasing physical agility it can help with some of the motor skill issues um, and there are studies showing how um, MMA particularly um, aided in um, improving executive function for neurodivergent children so it ha- definitely has its merits there's some science there to back up the way that it can help um, and so that is something to consider as well another thing is like running or track type of sports, track style sports, that can also be a good outlet for kids that struggle maybe in a group setting. Um, It's something that this is one that can be done anywhere, right? You can run at a local track or on sidewalks. Um, This is something that, you know, can really help to still channel that energy and emotion. Declan loves to run, especially when he gets like um, really excited or frustrated, he'll start running back and forth inside the house. But right now, outside at least, with the heat being horrible, uh, he prefers to not be outside running. Um, so if he's running at all, it's indoors at this point. The school, his school had a track day towards the end of the school year, and that was in late May. And he barely made it a whole lap around the track, which their track is um, a quarter of a mile. I'm not sure the off the top of my head, I can't do that uh, conversion to meters. But either way, he made it one lap around the track, but that was about all he could do. He The heat was just too much. I have seriously considered when he gets a little bit older, Uh, investing in a treadmill because that would give him an indoor option as well to still serve that outlet the way that I have a um, an indoor um, a stationary bike in in my room for me because bike riding is another good leisure activity that uh, children can sort of use it's you don't not going to have the competition if you're doing this leisurely you can just go out and ride the bike around get some exercise still be able to sort of get some of that energy out though again this one's weather contingent right unless you do have some sort of stationary indoor bike like I do that can also, again, be a bit pricey. And in the case of smaller children, that's going to be too large for them. Um, There's no way that Declan could ride my stationary bike. It's just, it's built for adults. Now I have seen um, some of the little like child-sized, what is similar to a stationary bike. And as the kids pedal it, it powers like a little screen that you know, they're able to watch little clips or whatever. And, you know, but that's, that gets into the pricey thing too. I have also seen people sort of videos of people rigging up their children's bikes to where they're up on some sort of lift. So it keeps them just high enough off the ground to where the tires can spin on the bike and still letting them ride their bike and they can do it indoors. I cannot personally speak to the safety of it or the logistics of it because I've never tried it myself but I have kind of seen that done online now for those who would like to find a way for their children to explore group sports 
for uh, the benefits. There are some benefits to it, right? The social interaction, um, the, you know, I mean, just the helping to build social skills in general. There are places that help to offer what are called buddy sport programs for neurodivergent kids. And essentially the children are paired up either with um, a peer or with an adult to kind of support them during practice or during games. It's also suggested in one of the articles that I read that some kids might find it more enjoyable if when you like say when they pick a sport they want to try if you were to bring them in for some sort of individual training beforehand right make sure that they understand the ins and outs of the game and have some experience with how the game works before they're put into a group setting that way they don't immediately go in thinking, okay, all of these people expect me to know how to play this game, so I have to do this correctly. They'll already have some experience. They'll have, you know, some familiarity with the way that the sport works, with the way that um, the, the rules and just in general how everything plays out. And that will also, if you start in that more individual setting, it'll let you know if this is a sport that works well with your child's, um, you know, your child's interaction, the way that your child um, experiences the world around them, it will let you know ahead of time. And then if it's not, then you can look for something else. And it's all in a, you know, a more personalized setting and they don't, they're not exposed to their peers when they realize they can't do this. Right. So a little bit less stressful introduction to a sport. And then that'll let you know whether or not this is something you could proceed with. There are also sometimes uh, groups and you would, this is something you'd have to kind of individually search for in uh, your city or town, wherever you're at. But there are sometimes groups that will provide um, for, you know, like group sports and participation uh, for a variety of ages, but without the competitive side of it. In other words, the kids just get together and play a game for the purpose of playing and enjoying the game, right? They get the social interaction. They get the positive aspects of participating in this sport and, you know, interacting with their peers without the added pressure of succeeding or winning. You know, they're able to learn the way that the game is played, but the focus is on the enjoyment. The focus is on, you know, spending time with your peers and learning to work together. It's on team building and it's not on winning the game, right? So whether you're trying to get that social interaction or if you're just trying to find a way to help build some self-esteem and channel extra energy and emotion, these are a few ways, though not all, uh, but a few ways that you could possibly 
introduced to your kiddo and just find a way, find something that is going to help them because we all know when our children find something that they really enjoy, they flourish, right? And especially with PDA children, one of the things that they do is when they find an interest, they dive wholeheartedly into that, right? I have seen this with my son. It's him. It's one of the things he's always loved is animals and he can tell you things about animals that there are adults that won't know these things Uh, so if I could find some sort of activity that brought exercise and animals together he would be absolutely thrilled Um, but it's about finding what interests them right finding what they want and once you do that they will flourish. They will take off on their own, right? Um, And that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, that hyper-focus that comes along with neurodivergence is they just, they find these interests and it just takes off. And it becomes this just myriad of an experience. And I, I feel like they're able to enjoy it that much more because they are so wholly devoted, whether it's sport, whether it's, you know, building things or um, just an interest or something that they like to research and read about, um, finding these interests, finding these things that will allow our children to build this interest because that is part of what helps to build self-esteem when they know all of these various different things whenever they're able to express their interests and tell people the various different even tiny little facets you see that self-esteem grow in them and as parents to neurodivergent children self-esteem can be a rare commodity at times, especially when we're dealing with the general public. So finding something that will help your child to flourish and to feel that self-esteem is an absolutely beautiful thing. So I hope that these options have provided some food for thought. Um, If you think of something that, um, or if you know of something that is perhaps not listed here in this um, in this episode that you would like to share. I can put it up in uh, the social community and let other people know. Here are some other options. I would love to build on that. You all know I love to hear from you. And until next time, my friends. As always, you can email me with any questions, comments, constructive criticism, or concerns at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on social media. Just search PDA Neurodivergence and the Perpetually Determined Advocate on Facebook or Instagram. And until next time, remember, in a world where you can be anything, be kind.